0: Hello. My name is Andrew Gary and welcome to Seismic Sound Off, in-depth conversations in applied geophysics. In this episode, Thomas Finkbeiner joins me to discuss geomechanics from the November 2021 special section in the Leading Edge. Thomas highlights the link between geophysics and geomechanics in developing renewable and unconventional resources, explores case studies presented in the special section, shares the current state of research on induced seismicity during CO2 injection, and explores how geomechanics impacts the entire life cycle of a reservoir. No matter your subject matter expertise, this conversation impacts all topics regarding the oil and gas industry. Visit segorg slash podcast to find all the links to the articles from November's special section. This episode is brought to you by CGG. At CGG, it has a positive outlook for the future, an optimism that drives it to constantly push the boundaries of what's possible. Blending new thinking and advanced technologies... CGG helps you understand and solve the world's most complex natural resource, environmental, and infrastructure challenges. Let CGG help you to see things differently. Now for our conversation. While well, we are speaking today on November's special section in The Leading Edge, which is on geomechanics, why did you start in your introduction to this special section just with the definition for geomechanics?
1: Well, this came out of the fact that you know i when I speak to people, different people about geomechanics, and I've been in the field for a very long time, it always seems to me that people sometimes have different definition of what geomechanics is, and I thought I felt it was important to bring everybody onto the same page by by providing this definition and and basically saying what what I think and probably many others, but still there are people who think at times differently what, what geomechanics is, what, what it can do and uh, what it results in when you apply it.
0: Yeah, it's good to have everyone on the same, same wave before, you, <laughs> before you, you go into this. What is the link between geophysics and geomechanics in developing renewable and unconventional resources? Kind of a, a hot topic these days.
1: Yeah, so I, I mean, geomechanics cannot exist without geophysics, really, because the geophysics helps us to provide information on, on rock properties. It provides us information on fluid content in porous rocks. And it also sometimes gives us indication about in situ stresses. And And you know, the, the renewable and unconventional resources, they all rely on this. Um, if you think about shale gas or shale oil plays, I mean, what, what drives these is hydraulic fracturing. And that's a, a combination of rock properties, strength, brittleness, uh, in combination with the stress field so so it 's really something that geome- that geophysics excuse me provides um, as part of the geomechanical model that you build in in your reservoir and similarly, renewable energies when you think of geothermal, everything uh, goes through fractures or lots goes through fractures in, in many of these um, enhanced geo- geothermal systems and again, the fracture information comes from geophysical methods so so geophysics is really joined at the hip, I would say, with the geomechanics uh, discipline. And we, and, and we absolutely need it. And the, the, the methods that are available to interrogate the rock in the subsurface is really critical and relies on geophysical methods.
0: Well, not only were you serving as the guest editor of this special section, but you also co-authored a paper pulling double duty here. How did the method you and your co-authors developed provide a less expensive alternative to map unconfined compressive strength or UCS in a field scale site investigation engineering project?
1: So, I mean, that's a good question, although I have to say I'm not sure if it's necessarily less expensive, but it's definitely at the scale that, that was surprising because we can pick up with this method heterogeneities in a carbonate. Uh, sequence that was uh, we wouldn't think before would be we would be able to do and you know carbonate reservoirs are extremely heterogeneous and understanding the the reservoir architecture is critical to understanding how fluids flow through such systems and so picking up uh, with the methods that we use in in this paper really provides a new insight into into how for example strength varies. On, on a on a very on a on a scale that is uh, what we thought would be below the resolution of our of the tools that we used and and so I think that's very valuable because on an engineering side uh, understanding rock strength is a critical parameter and and understanding how this varies across the site is very important for that purpose as well.
0: Looking at another paper, what helped the predictive power of a geomechanical model that was discussed by Kompinski et al. in a shale gas play in the Polish Peribaltic Synocles?
1: Yeah, so, you know, in many ways, this paper was sort of a uh traditional well stability analysis. But what I what I really enjoyed about this, first of all, there's not much known about the shale gas place in, in, in Poland, um, although there, there's quite a, a lot of activity. But then you also don't hear much about problems or challenges during drilling in shale gas plays. And and this was a contribution here where the authors clearly talked about wells that were drilled into into this formation and experienced wellbow instability problems. And they can be very costly, um, not only during drilling, but also later can have a tremendous impact and cost increase when it comes to stimulation. So with a very thorough and detailed analysis, they were really able to reduce the risks in a new well that was being drilled by uh, making informed decisions about uh, the stress state, the rock properties, but then also steer, basically the drilling engineers in terms of guiding the trajectory where the well and how the well should be
0: drilled. What is a technique that Mandel et al. discussed that would increase the effectiveness in estimating creep parameters in gas shales?
1: So the creep is an interesting phenomenon because it, it basically relaxes stresses over long periods of time. And in, in shale gas plays, what this implies is that, for example, the fracture gradient or the least principal stress is uh, higher than than without creep when we have a, a brittle rock, for example. Now, to, to estimate creep, um, there's a number of parameters that need to be constrained, the creep parameters, in order to uh, be able to predict the creep strain. And as it turns out, these, these shales uh, in this gas plays they often exhibit a very high specific surface area. Uh, as a result of the high content of clay minerals, for example, or total organic carbon. And so the method that they used was basically a, a low pressure nitrogen adsorption technique um, that enables uh, one to estimate a specific surface area and um, then basically come up with a robust global correlation, empirical correlation between these gas shale parameters, pre parameters, and the specific surface that you were derived from the, from the laboratory. And this was corroborated uh, using shales, gas shales rocks or shale gas rocks from, uh, from a variety of places in Australia and the US and, and elsewhere. And it's now a very interesting method that can be utilized in order to predict discrete parameters. And I, I, I was quite interested and fascinated by this method, and I think I'm quite hopeful that this will find its, its use in the industry.
0: Is there currently sufficient research to understand induced seismicity during CO2 injection?
1: I think we have started really well. and. But, but the short answer is no. I think we still have to do a lot more work on this. But, but work that has been done in the United States by a variety of researchers, including the one that we have in this paper, but, I'm also attending right now the the rock mechanics symposium, and we had a great uh, talk by people from Stanford, for example, and, and others. And it really shows there's still much to be learned because the CO2 is an is an interesting phenomenon because in the subsurface it can turn into a supercritical fluid. That means it's like a fluid but has all the properties of a gas. And so the interaction of of this fluid that is injected into the reservoir changes a lot of things in the subsurface and we don't know yet exactly to what extent that will impact for example seismicity or the the tendency of pre-existing fractures and falls to slip and cause sort of either micro seismic events or even larger events and i think there's still a lot that needs to be done i do think that you know, we already understand small pressure changes can quite uh, can cause these these disturbances also further away over larger areas. But I think, for example, chemical interaction, in particular when you deal with with carbonate type rocks, that's something that still requires a lot of research. and And I hope that we will make big advances in this in the next few years.
0: Yeah, you, know, you mentioned at the beginning how geomechanics needs geophysics. How does this special section highlight the value of geomechanics for geophysics?
1: Well, I think all of these papers indicate, you know, where the constraining the stress field, constraining rock mechanical parameters really help to build a more robust geomechanical model. And again, that's required in order to make informed decisions and predictions, how to drill and how to complete uh, in general, how to more safely operate in these sort of uh, place that we're looking at here.
0: You know, you state in the introduction that geomechanics impacts the entire life cycle of the reservoir. For a geophysicist inclined to think this special section doesn't apply to them, what would you say?
1: Well, it sort of, sort of leans on to what I just said to the previous question. I, I think, you know, understanding rock Rock mechanical parameters, understanding when you have fluid substitutions in porous rocks, for example, when you replace um, a brine with CO two or supercritical CO2, when you want to constrain stresses, I think all of this is 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 related to geophysics and the methods that geophysicists use in order to to better understand the subsurface. So so as I said before, there's a they're basically joined at the hip, so to speak, and, and, and one cannot go without the other well, geophysics can probably go without geomechanics, but geomechanics definitely cannot go without geophysics.
0: you know how do you see the techniques and case studies and tools presented across these papers in the special section improving the industry
1: I think it's all in the essence it's about lowering risks I, I mentioned that before and and making more informed decisions. And I think the more we can lower the risks, the, the more safely we can drill and complete our wells and the safer we can basically operate. We talked about seismicity during CO2 injection. Again, if we understand, coming back to, the, to your first question, why I used this introduction, if we understand how our interventions and actions as, as humans in the subsurface change Basically, the equilibrium under which these rocks and fluids have existed for millions of years, and if if we understand this better, then then we really are on a on a on a track to uh, to operating at, at more safely and and risk with lower risks. And I think this is really critical because. There's one important point I want to make in this respect is, is the public perception. And if we don't operate safely and things don't go the way we had hoped for, then it's, it can go in the public eye um, very quickly uh, into a negative realm where things are not appreciated anymore or maybe where government and policies are influenced in a way that, that we cannot develop the way we, we should develop uh, our resources and assets.
0: You know, when I when I first heard this question, it, I'm just amazed at it's kind of how it's changed uh, over these past couple of years, especially. How do you see the papers presented in the special section on geomechanics speaking to the economic situation the oil and gas industry finds itself?
1: That's a good question too. So, so let me just start off by by this. I, I do think, even though we are now in the area of of climate change, renewable energy, low carbon, I do think this transition will not happen without the oil and gas industry. I think for decades to come, oil and gas are required to basically make that transition possible. And if the economic situation is not as as great as it used to be in the oil and gas industry, I do think that these types of um, uh, research works that we did and investigations, re- again, help to lower the risk. And when you lower risk, you can operate more safely and you can operate at, at lower cost. And I think that's really, that's really very important. And so by, uh, by, by reducing the cost, I think it takes a uh, strain the the oil and gas industry to operate.
0: Was there something that surprised you in working on this special section or possibly your own paper? <laughs>
1: Well, I I did very much enjoy working on this paper, especially with, with my co-authors and, and in particular with, with one of our students who's the, the the first author here. That that was definitely, uh, very nice and refreshing, I have to say. And then, and I'm really feel privileged to, to be, have been working with him and, and the other co-authors, my colleagues here as well from Kaust. But what I, you know, we, we, we have four papers in this special section with, some might say is maybe not that many but i think we cover really a lot of ground with these four papers yeah we we go from as i said earlier from one paper that's sort of the traditional well stability analysis in an area that's not not known very well then we go to co2 injection related to the you know renewable energy to to carbon sequestration aspects we go into constraining rock properties, uh, creep parameters, uh, unconfined compressive strength. So I, I think we're covering, again, a lot of ground here. And I think that that's the point that, that maybe not so much surprised me, but I I would say something that I felt very happy about. That we It shows how wide the applications or the use of geomechanics really is. And again, it goes back to my uh to your first question about the definition and what geomechanics can do and also the subsequent questions how you know geophysics and geomechanics are tied with each other so i'm quite happy with how this turned out to be and i'm I'm, i want to say very thanks to all the authors here who have contributed to this section and obviously also to our peter who has been my guest uh, co-guest editor in this section
0: you know, lastly, you mentioned before we started recording here, you've been in working in this industry for a long time. What is one piece of advice you would offer someone that would like to succeed in your field? Well, first
1: of all, never cease exploring and keep your your mind open to to su- surprises. And when I say surprises, I don't necessarily mean. Negative surprises, but surprises on how you find out maybe rocks behave in the subsurface, how stresses are distributed, um, how our interactions or intervention in the subsurface, what sort of reactions I might say they're caused by the um, by, by the subsurface, by the rocks and the fluids, how a well responds, how you know how hydraulic fractures propagate. I, I think those are a lot of some things that, that, we need to be open to. And, and, and also one advice to me is because geomechanics fits in with so many different disciplines as a, as a person in geomechanics, you have to be able to communicate well, and you have to be able to collaborate with people from very different disciplines by all the technical knowledge we need to have. I think the, the interaction between our peers and our colleagues it's very, very important to communicate our results and our work properly and effectively.
0: Well, that is a wonderful place to leave it. And, and people can now check out this special section in The Leading Edge to, to read and, and hear what their colleagues are, are talking about with this. So thanks for highlighting your work and, and the work of others in this special section.
1: Thank you. I really appreciated it and enjoyed it. It's been a privilege to, to do this
0: recording with you. Thank you for listening to SEG's flagship podcast, Seismic Sound Off. SEG produces these episodes to benefit its members, the geophysics community, and inform the public on the value of the science. To show your support for the show, please share this episode with a friend, colleague, or manager that would enjoy hearing this show. Your recommendation is the single best action you can take on behalf of SEG's podcast. To receive the latest episodes first, Follow Seismic Sound Off on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. The SEG Podcast team is Ted Bakamjian, Kathy Gamble, and Ali McGinnis. Thank you for listening. This is Seismic Sound Off, signaling off.